0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon. You are very welcome to Friday's Liveline. Katie Hannan with you until three today. Now, uh, ADHD, that's Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, um, it's being talked about again this week because uh, one of the characters, uh, one of the stars of Love Island, Jax, I think it's fair to say, he had quite the roller coaster ride on the programme. There was meltdowns, there was emotional outbursts and he eventually decided uh, during the week that he was going to leave. Uh, but in the aftermath of his departure, his parents came out and asked for understanding uh, for him because uh, they revealed that he had actually been diagnosed with ADHD um, as a child and that this was, uh, you know, controlling emotions was, was uh, something that he had issues with and that this should be taken into account. Um, Louise, good afternoon. Hi, Katie. Louise, you were diagnosed with ADHD earlier this year? Yeah, yeah, I was. And why did you go for that diagnosis? Why did you, why did you start inquiring into this? Um, I was, uh, it, it came to my attention because um, I started seeing a new therapist who suggested it because I was having trouble with um, productivity and procrastination and um, these were lifelong problems but they had really started to impact me since I became self-employed um, so yeah so he identified that and then I went about getting an official diagnosis. And were you surprised when it was mentioned to you that you could have ADHD? Yeah really surprised um, yeah no I thought he was way off because I always did well in school so um and my impression of what ADHD was, was that it was people who struggled in school and were, you know, physically hyperactive and, and that just didn't describe me at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people might have that idea of, you know, parents, because we, we, we hear a lot from parents who are struggling with children who are, you know, trying to cope with this. And that's the impression you get, that they're struggling. But you, you, you didn't struggle. You were top of your class, right? Um, for Yeah, for a lot of, yeah. I would have been um, at times and I, yeah, I found, I just found school really easy. Um, so any kind of suggestion that, you know, I had something that would impact me academically just felt way off. But, 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 but it turned out. Yeah, but, but there were issues with you in school, wasn't there? That like, in terms of yeah. attention. So, I mean, I would, I, I struggled to stay awake. If I wasn't interested in something, I, I would really, really struggled to keep my eyes open and I, I did fall asleep sometimes um, and I would because I did well in school, I think I got away with not doing my homework a lot of the time um, because I still know the right answer. So yeah, I think I just being I think it just, it masked some of the the signs that I was seeing for me. But you you always felt that there was something there, did you? Um. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I didn't always struggle, uh, but I, I don't know that I always knew that it was something that could have an impact, or you know, or something that there might be other people out there who struggled with the same. That's only a recent realization. Um, but 
But like what kind of, what sense did you have? I mean, you said you, you, you were seeing a therapist. You had been seeing a therapist even before you got your diagnosis. So why was that? Um, so I, my, like my more recent, how it's pre- presented recently is, is um, really a procrastination, really a struggling with getting tasks. And I, I am. Um, I think I'm using the example of uh, my tax returns. I just, you know, they're really important. Oh, we're really struggling with Louise's line there. I think we're going to have to. Oh, uh, Louise, we're going to try and fix your line because I want to hear what you're saying there. Uh, it's so important. Uh, I've got Emer. Uh, we'll come back to Louise in a minute, but I, I, I want to bring in Emer now. Emer, good afternoon. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, like Louise there, you you also were diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. I was. I was diagnosed uh, last year in September. Why? Like, why did you uh, go for that diagnosis? Uh, sure, it was a long process. Um, I guess I've, uh, well, throughout my t- 20s, really, was I was diagnosed and told I had depression and anxiety and was medicated for that and was in talking therapy on and off over the years. Um, but I was always suspicious as to whether that was actually the the root problem, let's say. Um, And then as I was getting older, you know, and progressing into my late 20s, I was just acutely aware that the things I was struggling with, I really wasn't getting any better at. Um, So a little bit like what Louise is saying about school, like I did well, but I had to to overcompensate um, in school and university and also in work to come across and pass myself as average and that was getting harder and harder and I guess as life was getting a little bit more complicated you know progressing in my career um, I could just feel that I wasn't I wasn't coping Um, and I had never heard of a woman or a young girl being diagnosed with ADHD I I actually didn't know women could have ADHD and uh, I'd seen an article years ago um, about the number of women in the States who were being misdiagnosed with depression, mismedicated with for depression, who actually had ADHD. Um, there was just an article discussing how the symptoms are so different and um, that they can also, they can sometimes appear or manifest and become something like depression or anxiety. And I remember the article stayed in my mind, but I kind of put it to one side because in my head I thought I'd never heard of that before. Um, and actually the pandemic, while it was an awfully challenging time and still is for all of us, working from home um, and having to, like Louise was mentioning, uh, really manage my time. And I guess the type of work we were all doing, those of us that were lucky enough to work from home, became a, a lot more self-led. Um, and so it became less... <laughs> It, it was harder for me to, to mask, I guess, what the things I was finding difficult. And it became more and more obvious that there was something else going on. Um, okay, so, so I started to do my own research into it. Okay, when you say less, I mean, it's, yeah. your issues, a lot of, some of your issues are around managing your time and Absolutely, yeah. meeting deadlines, that sort of thing. Yeah, but also um, emotional managing my emotional emotions or it's often called you know um, emotional dysregulation um, so uh, that that's always been an issue and I guess the frustration that comes with not being able to do things that you know in your mind you say I should be able to do this 
and um, and why can't I? And and from the outside, it's very confusing for you know my colleagues and over the years and myself uh, too. And then that can you know so it can w- make you w- quite down. Yeah. So Emer, like, would you have been? You know, you know, if you have issues, if, if one of your issues is trying to manage your time at work, that would you end up working yes. a lot of extra hours, for instance? <laughs> Absolutely. Was that, I've, was that I've it, known, yeah? <laughs> I've known every security man in every building I've ever worked in because I, I often had to come in, and, and it's hard for me to admit this, you know, really early, or I would stay very, very late, and I'd have to hide that, you know, um, because my output would have been just average, like everybody else. Um, but the amount of work I would have had to put in in order to meet an average, you know, output as an employee uh, took so much more work. And it was something I had to hide because it wouldn't have made sense. It didn't make sense to me, you know, but I was always kind of managing it in my own way, you know. Yeah. And so, as you say, and, and uh, Louise was saying was when she... Uh became self-employed and again it's all about having mm. to manage it yourself you're not within a structure yeah. that that's when it kind of spins away from you and goes out of your control yeah. yeah so again you say you had read this article it's somewhere obviously mm. lodged somewhere in the back of your mind <laughs> yeah. but it was when things started to go uh, away from you during COVID when you were working mm. from home well, that's when you started looking into it I did. Um, I was really struggling emotionally as well. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to. Th- I want to make sure I articulate this in a helpful way as well for anyone listening. Um, but yeah, it was just becoming harder and harder for me to manage um, my life, really. And I, I suppose you know, everyone. We all. We can all face difficult times, but the impact a challenge would have on me would be so so much it was you know at times embarrassing for me to even be able to admit to friends or family how much I was struggling because sometimes on the outside you know it didn't make sense as to why I was as upset as I was and so I started going to therapy and I'd asked my GP as well whether I could be assessed to see if there was something that was more than um, anxiety and depression and um, bipolar, of course, I say of course because I've spoke to so many women with ADHD who, you know, uh, sometimes that will be suggested as a potential um, diagnosis or cause for the what I was facing. Um, but it wasn't until I, I read more about ADHD and actually what really helped me was reading how it manifests and how it appears in young girls because it was very easy for me and very difficult to read, you know, but it was easy for me to identify and recognise um, how this has always been there. And so when I was reading about how it appears in young girls, teenage girls, and then I know how it impacts my life now, I was even able to go back and look at school reports and and just see how there was little signs there all the time. So, so, so tell us, what kind of what kind of sign? Because I'm sure there's people out there right now listening to this yeah, thinking, oh my God, I, is this, sure. could this be me? Yeah, just, you know, I was always a very good girl, diligent, did my homework, um, curious and enthusiastic, so, but uh, always in trouble for talking, being distracted. Uh, my favourite was getting told off in a school report for looking out the window, you know. Um, so that, that's all, you know, the, the stereotypes of, of what we uh, think, let's say publicly and in general, that ADHD looks like is that type of, you know, the stereotype of the hyperactive, excitable, physically, you know, exuberant young person. But 
it can also be quite internal. So I would have been a quite an anxious, worried, conscientious young person. But the let's say the um, the energetic style would have come out in me in terms of talking and excitability. So I would have gotten told off for that. But I was always lucky that I was, you know, I got... I got my grades, I did my homework, I wasn't, let's say, naughty or didn't get in trouble. But, but it so just took I a passed. huge effort for you oh, massive. to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. What may have come easier for for, for most yeah, people yeah. that weren't struggling Like what this. most people would do in an hour. And I, I'm really lucky in many ways, like I have siblings. And while it was difficult when I was younger, it's difficult to look and compare. But I was able to compare, I was able to see, I was aware always that what took my brothers one hour took me three you know, in terms of homework or study. Um, but I did it and I did everything I could to get through, you know, school and university, but it was really, really difficult. Um, I had, you know, some great teachers along the way who they mightn't have known that's what it was, but who did what they could to help me get the most out of, you know, school and university. So I was really lucky to get through it all. Okay, so bring us right up to date then, Emer. When you did, as you say, and this is obviously very recently, then through yeah. COVID, you, you know, the light bulb went off. You saw, yeah. you saw, and you recognised yourself in, in this. How did it feel to finally get that formally get that diagnosis yeah. confirmed? It's a it's a good question, and it's been a journey. Mm. <laughs> um, it was just a huge relief, and at that point, I I felt like if it's not this. They're, they're surely going to know what it is. But I was so certain it's like every box was ticked and the psychiatrist said I was textbook, you know, and that was a relief in many ways to finally have this answer, you know. And it was like a kind of a high, if I'm being honest, like for a couple of weeks, it was like this huge weight was lifted, a question mark almost that was kind of always on my back. Um, but there's a mourning that goes, you know, that happens then. The realisation that maybe life could have been different and maybe I would be doing something else, maybe something that I should have been doing or I guess I'm so lucky, I'm 32 and I I have the time and the resources and the support systems in place to hopefully make life a little easier for myself. But it was and it still is sometimes difficult to think back to when I was younger and times in my life where I really, really struggled and had I known or had those around me known, maybe things could have been different, you know. So that that kind of mourning process, it can be different for everybody. Um, But it was... What what, what can you do now? I mean, how how can you... What help is there for you now? (laughs) It's a great question and I wish I had a succinct, you know, answer. Um, I'm still figuring it out. It's the truth. Um... To get the diagnosis, I had to invest my own savings in pursuing that privately. There wasn't an opportunity for me to... I'm I'm living in London. I've been here nine years. Um, It was not possible for me to get an assessment through the NHS. Um, There are people getting um, assessments and put on waiting lists, but, you know, they're 18 months plus. Um, So I was lucky to be able to, to, to do that myself, but there's challenges then that come with it and the responsibility also of managing a diagnosis and any treatment that you you might go down afterwards, whether that be uh, through coaching or through medication or through therapy, 
it's it's a huge thing to manage. You know, like Louise was mentioning time management and deadlines. And yeah, so this you know, is a, a whole other thing for you to exactly, manage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's really difficult, and to to not be hard on myself, I have to try and almost think of it like if if I had a child who received an ADHD diagnosis today, and if they were in my care, and I'm responsible for them. It would be an un- it would be a huge undertaking. It is a huge undertaking for any parent who has to provide that additional support for a, you know a child. And when you get a diagnosis as an adult, of course, you know there's a lot I can do. But it, it does feel like a lot. It can be a lot of re- it's a huge responsibility because you know the rest of my life has to carry on, and I'm lucky to have what I have. But mm. Um, there's times when this does feel like a, a, a whole other job, you know? Yeah. Uh, Emer, will you stay on the line, please? I think we might have Louise back. I'm going to need to take okay, a quick great. break. Will you hang on no there problem. and hopefully yeah, we'll certainly. be able to talk to Louise after this? Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. On 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Or text us at 51551. Uh, now, hopefully, I've got Louise again. Hi, Louise. Hello. Sorry about that. OK, great. That's a much better line. Um, yeah, I'm sure you, Emer was, was uh, re- referencing you, you there back and forth. I mean, the, the whole issue about emotional regulation, because that's, that's how this, this came up in relation to the Love Island uh, character, Jax. Is that something that you would have felt over the years, that, 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 was, that you struggled with that, Louise? Um, I definitely did. Um, it's it's hard to say. I think the people around me would probably be a better place to say how much um, <laughs> how much I've overcome some of it. But uh, yeah, I feel like it's it's lessened as I've gotten older. But I I mean I have done a lot of therapy. So, um, but it is it it is it's it's a struggle. And I because I don't know what it's like to be in someone else's body and how they feel their emotions. I didn't realize how that mine maybe were relatively more intense than someone else's or, you know, the, the sensitivity to rejection was more intense than someone else's. So it's that's kind of something I'm coming to understand a little yeah, bit more now. Uh, yeah, talk to me a bit about that. I've read a little bit around this, this sensitivity to rejection and how that might impact on your life. Um, yeah, it's, um, I'm not sure how, how well-placed I am to talk about it. I, I mean, I'm, I think... From what I can remember when I was younger, it um, it's a really, really painful reaction to like it feels almost physically painful uh, to have someone, you know, make even a small criticism of something you've done or um, or just to come back from from feeling rejected or to face into a situation where there's even a remote chance of the possibility of rejection and just that I would try to avoid those situations or um yeah like um I'm trying to think of an example but I think one is that I I never really played sport because I'd start I wouldn't be good straight away and you know the possibility of not being picked for the team or not you know and I just so I just avoided it um and I'm only kind of starting to to play sport now as I'm almost 40 and realizing on how you know how much I missed out on how you know, how fulfilling it can be. And it's sad to think that I just took myself out of that situation because of that intense fear 
of being rejected or being, you know, not good at something or. And, or that of some criticism coming at you that you wouldn't be able to handle. Yeah. And yeah. just when your line broke down earlier, you were t- just giving us the example of tax returns as, as something that, you know, you know you have to do, you know is really important, you focus on a lot, but somehow you can't get them done. Yeah, it's something that, so before I understood about ADHD or knew about it, um, it was really baffling why something could be so important to me and yet how important it is had no bearing on how likely I was to do it. You know, I could I could spend nights and nights awake, lying awake, thinking about this thing that I needed to do or the consequences of not doing it. And, you know, thinking about getting a knock on the door from, you know, from the VAT sheriff or something and and still put it off. Um, I just didn't understand why I would do that. Um, but I still wasn't actually getting it done and I needed help to Yeah, I suppose I'm thinking a lot of people out there who would describe themselves as as I would myself in some in some respects, disorganized that I'm just, you know, bad at life at men would kind of understand that to some degree. But I think what you're saying is that the the extent to which it it, it impacts on your life, it's very extreme. It's yeah, it's debilitating. Um yeah, it is. It is. I'm yeah, it's a huge thing that's impacted the course that my whole life has taken. Um, the things not followed through on. And yeah, it's, I, d- I don't know where the line is, but the, or where the threshold is, but it's it's a very severe, it's very severe consequences that I'm dealing with because of this procrastination and disorganisation. And when you got, now Ema was talking about the kind almost high when she finally, you know, got, had it confirmed. This is actually why you have felt this way for all these years. This is why your life has, you know, this is why you've had to struggle with all these things. How did you feel mm-hmm. when, when you were told this is it, you, you actually tick the boxes for ADHD? Um, so I was kind of living with the the realisation for a few months before I got in to see the psychiatrist. Um, so maybe I, I feel like I got that relief when I was, I'd call it self-diagnosed maybe. Um, so beforehand, when I was seeing all these things that reflected me back, um, you know, and it was hard to distinguish what was my personality anymore and what, you know, what was ADHD. But because I just was so, so class, you know, it, I seemed like a textbook um, presentation of it. And then I got my, I went to the psychiatrist in February and it is definitely good to get a figure of authority, you know, to just give you the stamp that you really do have it and you're not, you know, um, that I wasn't wrong in the self-diagnosis because it, it was a relief to have a name for it. And did you immediately feel, I want to go and tell everybody this? Um, I'm pretty open. <laughs> so I did, I did tell, you know, I, I didn't hold back on telling the people around me. Um, and I guess I was so interested in it as well. There was, there was so much to learn about it. Um, so I have been, yeah, I have been talking about it a lot since then. Do you have any kind of concerns that there might be a stigma attached to it? Yeah, you know, because I'm self-employed, um, if I was working in an organisation, I, you know, I think it would be wise to be 
cautious about whether you disclose it there um, and to really, really discern how friendly the company is um, towards people with different, you know, uh, neurodiverse um, aspects to themselves before presenting before disclosing it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you think, don't I mean, I know because you got in touch with us. You think that we need to talk about this a lot more. We need to understand this a lot more because there are people who are suffering in silent silence here who actually really still do not understand why they struggle the way they do. Yeah, I do. Um, I, you know, I think there was, there was research out there recently um, done by ADHD Ireland and the HSE and it was, there were really stark figures in it and the one that really um, struck me was that I think it was 19% of adults with ADHD um, had not either attempted suicide or had suicidal ideation or self-harm, you know, um, which is really, really sad. I think uh, there's just so much invisible suffering happening and there is, at the moment, it's really hard to get assessed publicly and privately. So when we know the numbers of you know, the, the struggles and the awful consequences of people suffering in silence. Um, I think it's it's pretty neglectful that there's nowhere to go or there's the supports aren't there. Um, so what do you do? You get your diagnosis and what, what do you do next? Um, I don't I don't know the right answer. I know I'm I'm trialing different medications um, and seeing an occupational therapist um, and continuing with my talk therapy. I think some is, some is this have had, sorry sorry are you yeah. having to pay for all of this yourself or uh, yeah 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 it's and it's very expensive um it's yeah it's expensive to get assessed um privately it's a, you know and all the review appointments as you're as you're trialing the medications and and titrating on the you know the doses and the different types um you know each of those appointments is very expensive what are we talking the about are we talking about like 150 euro a go or yeah, for the re- for the review appointments, it, it's 150 a go, and then for the initial appointment, I think it was around 750. Um, and then, if the you were waiting, if you were waiting for a diagnosis yeah. through the public, through the HSE public system, um, how long yeah, might you I be mean, waiting? Yeah, exactly. Is there, do you have you any sense of that? Um, I have a sense that you might never get you might never get seen. Um, there is a national clinical program coming online I think there are some um, areas where there's a skeleton operation in place um, but they haven't done all the hiring anywhere yet I think Um, so I don't know maybe it'll get better in the future I hope it does Uh, but at the moment I don't think there is a way of or in the recent past I think a lot of people had no way of being diagnosed in the public system. Or no way of being treated. Uh, will you yeah. hang on, Louise? I've got a couple of more people uh, who want to talk to us about yeah. this and I know we still have Emer there. I want to bring in Kira now. Kira, good afternoon. Um, hi, Casey. Uh, you were listening to Emer and, and to Louise and you recognised. Yeah. yeah, it was all very familiar um, for me. You know, I got my own diagnosis uh, a couple of months ago. Right. So all of the, all of you, all three of you are, are very recently diagnosed. This is such a recent thing for all of you. Um, well, yeah, for, well, for me anyway, um, it was a long time in thought and then it was kind of time to put it into action, really. Mm. 
And what was your what, what was your your backstory, Kira? Would you have had issues from you know your school days? Um, well, academically, I would have been quite smart. So, kind of, there was no out out kind of really glaring issues there. Um, I did suffer with my mental health. Now, in hindsight, it's quite possible it was more like an autistic ADHD burnout. Um, because I was diagnosed with autism last year. Right. So you're, yeah. You're, so you're, you, you were coping with a lot. Yeah. Um. What would you mind me asking? What kind of age bracket are you in now, Kira? I'm thirty-five. Right. So, and and as you say, you you just got your uh, your autism diagnosis last year, and your ADHD yeah. diagnosis in the last couple this of months. Year. Yeah. So, how did that feel? Um life-changing um the validation is unreal i no longer feel like i'm someone with um and i know this sounds awful but like there's something not right with me um i feel like i found my tribe if that makes sense and is there a lot of support out there for people like yourself um i found my own support if that makes sense um there's facebook groups um one of them is Autistic uh, Ireland Social Group. I think there's a couple of ADHD ones, um, things like that. But there's um, nothing, nothing, um, nothing really official as such as of yes, anyway. Yeah. And what would have been your main if you were if you were telling somebody, you know? why you felt there was something that, you know, that wasn't quite right. As you said, you did, you felt like there was something wrong with you. What, um, what was the key? Executive functioning would be my main area that I find difficulty with. Um, so kind of organising myself, organising my time, like we were there. Um, like, I, um, you know, when it came to organising dinner or anything, I could be doing 20 different tasks and ha- all of them would be started, but none of them would be done. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and none, and none of you, you, you don't have any kids, Kira, do you? I do, I have two. Oh, you have two. Well, then that I'm thinking, because like if you ever need to be able to organise time and tasks, it's when you have, when you have young kids. Yeah, that's where it's um, coming into play there. That yeah, that that's that's somewhere where it really kind of bubbles up. I imagine. Yeah. It is. It's, you know, it's hard even kind of organising my time to make sure I have everything done on time and everything is done right. Yeah, because I mean, I think anyone with small kids will know, you know, just trying to get out the door uh, with if you have children of, you know, buggy age or, yeah. or smaller is a massive, you, you feel there should be someone standing at the front door to give you a medal every every time it mm. happens. But if that's, that's you know, if you if you don't, if you're not struggling with this kind of an issue, but I imagine adding ADHD on top of that. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it is a struggle. It's a challenge, but I've kept them alive so far, so we're doing good. <laughs> uh, will you stay with me, Kira? I've got uh, Paul on, uh, on the line. Paul, good afternoon. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. Um, y- you also got this diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. When I was 39, 10 years ago, I got it. Yeah. Right. And again, uh, you know, was it after years of wondering what the hell was wrong with you? I didn't even know there was something wrong, really. Uh, you know, I. I uh, but I, 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 I never kept a job for long, and I failed in school and everything I tried to do. 
and a friend of mine suggested to me that I might have it. So he gave me this book, he had it, and he gave me this book and I read it and it was just describing me to a T, you know. And when you say you failed at school, like what, what was school like for you? What was your issue there? I, I, I couldn't stay in school. Like I was caught mitching when I was five, you know. Uh, I, I, at one stage, my father had to bring me to the door of the school and the teacher would take me. And I said, I'd just get out the window of the toilet and I'd be gone across the field, you know. I just, and I, I was put sitting on my own all the time because I just couldn't stop messing and, you know, disrupting the class. Like, uh, So I didn't make it to the leaving cert. Um, you left school I, early, did you? Yeah, I left early. I didn't make it to the leaving cert. Uh, I, 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 as an adult, I went back three times to do the leaving cert and it took me to, to the fourth time to get it, you know. God, fair play to you, Paul. You, did, you made four attempts at your leaving cert. Yeah, and I'm in my second attempt now to try and do a degree at university. Uh, God, that really speaks to what was it Emer was saying about, you know, that you, she would just take her three hours to do the homework that it would take her siblings one hour. So was that your experience? You just have to really, really, really I, I know, go it's it. not that it would take me more time to do it. <clears throat> it's actually sitting down to do it uh, and staying doing it because what happens with me is I just lose priority. It's like something could be the most important thing in the world. And then just all of a second, it doesn't matter at all. Like, you know. And uh, That's a really good way to describe it, actually. And, and then what happens is you fail again. And then you get, so I was actually being treated for depression when I got to, when I got to diagnosis. You know, because you get depressed, like you start something and you're all going home and you get, I get so far into it and I'd be doing all right. And then it just wouldn't matter to me. Like, I just wouldn't understand why I was doing it. And I, you know, <clears throat> and then a week later, I'd start getting depressed because I was after failing at something else again. Like, like I've lost literally dozens of jobs. You know what I mean? And, and, and again, just for that, for that, because you cannot keep your priorities straight or keep yourself focused. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, so so uh, people that don't have ADHD, you know, a lot of people don't believe it's a thing because when you describe the symptoms, they're symptoms that everybody has to some extent, you know. Like, you know, everybody has times when they find it hard to pay attention or they have, find it hard to focus on something or to start something or to finish it. Everybody has these things, you know. Yeah. But with people with ADHD, it's magnified and it's there all the time. Yeah, because people would say, well, sure, that's just an excuse for being disorganised or that's just an excuse for, you know, not, not, you know, not putting your proper attention, uh, you know, not giving something proper attention. We could all be like that if we, but this is, as you say, very extreme and it's, yeah. it's life, you know, it, it, it takes over your life. Yeah, well, the hardest part I find is that I, I actually don't do things that I like doing, you know, like I actually like the course I'm doing and the various different things. And I find every possible reason to not do them, even though I like doing them, you yeah, know. Yeah. And before I got the diagnosis, I didn't understand why that was, you know. And did getting the diagnosis, you know, did that change your life dramatically? Well, I wouldn't say dramatically, but it changed it a good bit. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I, have, I got me leaving cert after the diagnosis and I got into university. This is my second attempt at it. So to that way it did, and it, it changed the way I look at things to a certain extent. I'm also on medication. The medication 
works a bit, you know. But the problem with it is that it makes me less sharp, you know. Do you know what I mean? It's, oh, it, right, yeah. That's that's it, what it like does. That's that's the point of it. It sort of, it, it calms your, it's supposed to calm your brain, is it? Yeah, it, it's actually an amphetamine, but um, it, 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 that's what it does. It calms, it stops your mind racing. Right. But I found it's it's kind of affected me short-term memory, to you know, to some extent. Can I ask you about relationships, Paul? Yeah. Uh, you know, do, do, is it easy to explain this to, to a partner or a potential partner? Or do you find people are understanding about it? Uh, well, I, I, I'm in a relationship since before I got the diagnosis. I'm still in it. But before that, um, I had uh, several relationships. And um, what would tend to happen is you just run into a relationship without putting any thought or anything into it. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was just always very quick, you know, mm-hmm. and and didn't know I had ADHD, but I mean, I can imagine that, uh, you know, it would have been very difficult for my ex-partners, like, oh. Yeah, like, you don't, would you be a bad person to be, to be going out with? Well, I, I would have been unreliable, you know. Yeah, and again, I see that, and I know people were saying this about that, when all this started off of a conversation about this guy from Love Island, Jax, and people were basically saying he, this, you know, kind of rolling their eyes at the idea that he had, his ADHD was the reason he was behaving the way he was, because, you know, he was, you know, having meltdowns and responding in a particular way to things. But that's the difficulty, as you say, isn't it, that... these are all things that could be used as an excuse for poor behaviour on one level but actually there's something that you you, you really have difficulty in controlling. Yeah, well see what happens is uh, when I get upset I I get a burst of adrenaline you know and uh, uh, I get this huge surge of energy like and then I get really down after it. And that's a physical, that's the way it physically manifests with you. That if, uh, will you get upset easily then? Is it easy to, to, to kick off that cycle? Uh, uh, I, I don't know about easily, but I, I tend to get, people can't understand why. You know, it's not something other people would get upset about. You know, uh, something that's real obvious to me uh, and other people just don't understand it. Like in, in, in the assessments, like the assessments, before the diagnosis took 18 months. And one of the assessments was the psychologist would read out uh, uh, just a story about somebody getting up and eating their breakfast and going to work and, and, and something that happened to them. And I would have to uh, repeat what relevant points I heard. And, and um, none of the relevant points that I heard would match up with what were considered to be the normal relevant points, you know. All right. So your brain is picking up on things that my brain might not pick up on. Yeah, I, I, I'd react to things in a way that people just don't get why I'm... I don't even understand it myself, like, to be honest with you. Let me bring in, because I still have everyone else, I think, on the line. Emer, does that, that ring Hi. bells with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's that thing where, it, you know... Um, people around you trying to understand why is it that this maybe comment that someone might have made or uh, criticism like Louise referenced um, uh, it can just set you off and and, it, and like 
Paul was saying, it's difficult even to understand for yourself. But like, you know, sometimes as well, when those emotions take over, how do you doubt them? You know, at the same time, if you're feeling really upset about something, you know, you're, you tell yourself that there's a reason. And it takes a huge amount of work to to stop in the moment and try and assess and think, how upset am I about this? Is it, is it relevant or is it real or is there something I can do to maybe minimise it and reduce it for myself and my own sake? And the techniques and the type of, I suppose, yeah, the techniques that you need to do that, they take a lot of time and experience and guidance and I think the conversations that are coming up, I'm watching Love Island as well and I think anyone who knows someone with ADHD or has it themselves won't have been surprised did to you, hear that Jack's Did you has, did you recognise yeah. it and if you're if you're a fan of Love Island did you did you yeah. think it when you when you saw how uh, Jack I, was Jack's was presenting on the programme? I, I suppose the difficulty is, you know, they've all decided to go on television. So there's a part of me I wouldn't, I wouldn't have picked up on it in, in that sense because, you know, you kind of think they're on a TV show and they've chosen to go on there. But certainly, um, yeah, when, when I read, because I thought it was trending on Twitter, and um, when I read the statement, you know, I then was like, oh gosh, you know, the poor chap actually, because he's in that's a very intense environment, and if he hasn't maybe the coping mechanisms in place for himself, you know, that's a really, that's a real, like, hotbed uh, for someone who maybe is challenged the way he is. Um, But, I I mean, I wouldn't be an expert, so I wouldn't have picked up on it immediately when he came on, but I wasn't surprised and I felt sorry for him. And I think the conversations that are happening online are relevant because there is a difference between an excuse and a reason. And... You know, and it is difficult. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. I mean, there's so many, there's so many incidences that I've had, especially, you know, in my 20s, that I I have to let go of a certain amount. I can't beat myself up about it. And it's upsetting to think of times when I upset myself and others who I cared about. Now that I understand why and what was going on for me behind the scenes, I have to have a certain amount of self-compassion and I'm lucky to have such forgiving family and friends and who have, you know, been able to stay by my side throughout all of that. But What did did your family say when you, you know, brought this? <laughs> uh, did they say, well, we kind of knew there was... <laughs> we, yeah. we, or we thought you were just a pain, basically. We thought you were <laughs> self-absorbed. Or what, you know, what, 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 what was the reaction to those closest... Yeah. From those there would have been a little bit of all of that. I'm the only girl and I'm the eldest. So, you know, there would have been times I was a total nightmare for my for my parents and my brothers. And um, I would have railed against the cliches, let's say. But I was, you know, a cliche in many ways that are normal as a young teenage girl or young woman. And in other ways, it was more extreme. And I guess if I ever picked up on the sense that maybe... I was being, I was seen as different or struggling. Like, I was so ashamed of that. So I would have kind of gone into overdrive to overcompensate and challenge that. Mm. And in yeah. their own way, my parents, of course, were picking up on the fact that I was struggling with life in a way that they weren't seeing my peers or my brothers or maybe like my cousins, you know, and... But it's very difficult, you know, when you just want to be normal and you just want to be like everyone else and you don't want to be a problem. 
and if you're causing problems for yourself and other people as well there's a lot of shame in that um yeah, and it's been difficult you know because shame. yeah it's just so oh ad- huge yeah, yeah it's crippling you know it's completely it's physically as well like it can have such a shocking impact you know to carry that kind of level of pain and and i i was um, asking paul about relationships emer yeah. did it bleed into relationships uh, you oh, know oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean i mean yeah i i i reached out to one or two ex boyfriends to tell them when I got the diagnosis because I was I've been so lucky with the people I've met in my life and the relationships I've been in and I've been treated so well but I I could I was it was easy for me to look back and think of times when I would have hurt people and um you know there was one or two I definitely reached out to because I wanted to not explain myself but I didn't want them to think I had anything to do with them the times when, you know, I, I would have left relationships when things became too much for me. I became overwhelmed. And that fear of rejection um, is so intense. Um, and I'm single at the moment. And I have been since the diagnosis. So I haven't been in the position where I've had to, I suppose, disclose, you know, and yeah. share that. And so That will be a big I, moment for you, won't it? It will, yeah. I have no idea what it will be like. And it's in the back of my mind that it's going to be, you know, I'd love to think that someday I could meet someone and that's going to be, you know, but it, it's also overwhelming to even imagine that type of conversation and how it would all go. At the moment, my priority, I guess, is I, I know that I won't be able to be in a relationship with anyone until I'm able to kind of look after myself. And yeah. that in itself at the moment feels so overwhelming sometimes that the idea of bringing or partnering up with someone else in their life just it feels impossible sometimes okay. yeah okay stay there Emer. Uh, I need to take another break but we've got more callers coming in on this talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 and I want to bring in Jane now Jane good afternoon Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Um, you also had this diagnosis, Jane? Yes, I did. Um, I was diagnosed later in life as well. Um, I was diagnosed, I'd say 38, 39 I was. Um, and I um, was diagnosed with inattentive ADHD. So, yeah, it's it's something, I'm 46 now, so I it's something that a diagnosis, I would say, later in life, it's, 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 it gave me that sense of validation, actually. And I'd say it really helped me understand who um, who I was. But that's over over years, you know. It's very, I would say it's a very misunderstood condition. And, you know, the perception of the young child running around the classroom, that's really, you know, often that's, that's where people just automatically go to in their heads, which is understandable. But at the same time, it's, it's just, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, you're um, actually a psychotherapist yourself now, Jane. I am indeed. I'm a psychotherapist, so I yes. So I would have yeah. I, I feel that it's it's professionally. I see clients with ADHD um, and, and equally those without ADHD, and and I give CBT courses for ADHD online. And I would say that the biggest, and I just heard the end of the last girl talking, and I just heard she she was talking about relationships. Yeah, that was Emer. Yes, Emer. And I really, I mean, that's what I would, I I would say that that is really often what 
what you know ICN that's what's presented here because it's just it, it can be very difficult for another person to understand what's going on and equally you know when we haven't understood for so many years you know I think it's a fast, I think it's something like twenty thousand negative messages we have more than a person who does not have ADHD by the age twelve. So, I mean, what does so that's that sorry. Do? That's somebody. That's somebody telling you, "Don't do that. Stop doing that." Yeah, or just, or just be quiet, or um, you know, focus, or you know. And, so and this is what this is your background noise, basically, as you are going through life. Is uh, well, the, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're like we're not robots. I mean, that has to go somewhere. So, I just heard Emma mentioning her self esteem, and of course, like, how could that not impact your self esteem? Because you know. The core beliefs that we all, you know, kind of established throughout life, I would say, are are how we, our perception of, of how we value ourselves and how we look at ourselves, you know. And how, we, how, how good we are at managing life. Like, you know, you, hear, you hear people saying, oh, she's really good at life or she's really bad at life yeah. or I'm, I'm such a mess about this stuff. It's, yeah. it's a huge thing about how we, you know, how we raise ourselves, isn't it? Oh, without a shadow. And that's how we raise it. That is really the essence, I'd say, of who we are, you know. And and that fear of rejection, that, you know, I would say it's often associated with a real deep-rooted feeling of shame, okay? And, and that deep-rooted feeling of shame, you know, as a coping me- mechanism, how we cope with that is often by avoidance and we disengage. So how many people with ADHD, you know, I'd say could relate to that, you know, that that's actually, we don't engage. We don't go for those interviews. We don't complete those courses. That was Louis, that, that was Louise, like saying, you know, not doing sports because you just don't want to put yourself in the way of that criticism of not being good at something and somebody telling you that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, and that's very effective, you know, when you're a child. <laughs> but as an adult, it might look like... Um, the, just the last part of their email, maybe, you know, not engaging or going to a certain point in a relationship and then the barriers come up, you know, for fear of rejection. I mean, yeah. it really can, you know, it, it's such a, it, it really can impact every area of your life. And, and just yeah. on that, and I think it's just important just to recognise, you know, they say, and I, and I would tend to agree, it is, it, it is a disorder of executive dysfunctioning, okay? And, Executive dysfunctioning, we all have them, by the way. Everyone has executive functions or executive functioning. However, people with ADHD, that can be very, very difficult, okay? So these are things like organising, planning, time, um, uh, emotional dysregulation. Um, and and that is so difficult for somebody with ADHD. So really what it boils down to, the simple things that you got up this morning, you came into work like you did, and I'm doing the same. However, for somebody with ADHD, that can be so difficult. So it's the simple daily tasks that are so challenging. So it must be exhausting, (laughs) is what I'm thinking. If if those simple things are something you really have to concentrate to get get right, you must be like, it just must be mentally exhausting. Well, you know what, and that's assuming that you know what you have, right? But look at all the people who, you know, are diagnosed later in life. So, so, you know, the labels we call ourselves, and this is why I think the diagnosis can be very helpful to understand ourselves, because, you know what, the labels I called myself before my diagnosis, for example, lazy, inept, stupid, I mean, they're far more damaging than four letters, ADHD, you know, to personality. 
Yeah, the lazy. And I'm also thinking like, uh, you know, we talked about relationships briefly there as well. Yeah. If you are in a relationship with somebody who Mm. has issues with executive function. Yeah. uh, Like that is, you know, you need enormous amounts of patience, I imagine. You know, you need to understand first what's happening, but also you, 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 you are going to. You, you know, unless you're the, you know, you're a saint altogether, you are going to assume at some stage that that person is just not, doesn't care, basically. They don't care enough to, to you know, make, you know, so make true. an effort. But may I say, yeah, absolutely. But may I say, like, just, okay, absolutely, that's what it looks like. But actually what's going on for the person with ADHD is so different to actually what's being, you know, what's being displayed through behaviour, right? So, just say you're very reactive in a relationship or just say you go executive dysfunctioning and, you know, emotional dysregulation. We could go to the worst case scenarios. You could be like, oh, my God, he, you know, he doesn't love me or something like that. Right. So you jump to the worst conclusion often. Therefore, there is no space to come back from that. It's very difficult to, to, to really, I would say, kind of, you know, detach the emotion um, and see it kind of from, from a bigger perspective. And. And equally what you said there is so true because when those executive dysfunctions, right, when our executive functioning daily, simple tasks, planning, organizing, throw in a couple of kids there and activities and you've got a nightmare, right? And, you know, what does that look like? It often looks like, you know, the, the dynamic between in a healthy relationship would be, you know, where there's two equal partners and often the case with uh, one person having ADHD is it's nearly like that child relationship. It's like, you know, so instead of having maybe, you know, one child, they've the child plus the adult with ADHD. So, and that's not equal. So that's in itself going to be challenging. So mm. if one person is all very organized and, you know, regarding time, dinners or, you know, um, daily just rosters or whatever goes on in each house, that can be just, it, it changes the the whole natural dynamic between, you know, I would say, from a more unequal stance. So therefore, connection is more difficult. And that's why it can be so challenging. Um, so somebody becomes in charge in the relationship. Somebody handles all healthy, of that. Absolutely. And obviously then that becomes resented somewhere along the line, almost always. And then problems, yes, and problems don't get resolved. And the anger, or you know, that doesn't blow over. And and that's assuming that these people who know they have ADHD, often they don't, you know. So, yeah. so that can be... It can be very, very challenging. And just as well, like I would say in, you know, I think it's 80% of people over their lifetime will experience anxiety alongside their ADHD. And I think that's very, very important to note because, you know what, like it is, you know, depressing when you don't know how to, when you're comparing, which we all, you know, comparing yourself to your peers and and your your struggles are, are so simple in comparison to others who just, you know, can just, you know, get up and do what they want to do and apply whatever they want to do. It's, it's a really, it's a disorder of implementation and that's so difficult. So and it's the I, actual, yeah. it's, it's implementing um, and actually actioning what we say. Now, and I just want to point out as well, on the other side of that, there's some wonderful advantages. And Oh yeah, let's hear some of the advantages. Just, you know, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. And I think when we understand ourselves and when we, you know, when we finally, and I think that's why it can be so helpful to receive a diagnosis, because telling yourself you're this other kind of, you know, this 
inept or, you know, bad, whatever it is, that, that can be so difficult. So, so equally, I would say the very, you know, I went back and I started, like I studied later in life, right? If it actually wasn't for my ADHD, I would say I probably wouldn't have seen the possibilities that are available to me now. You know, so so I would say we're very creative. I think I am great fun. I think I'm hilarious a lot of the time, but others may differ. <laughs> but, you know, there is, there's such wonderful, you know, um, there, there's such wonderful qualities that, you know, I would say it, it's often just, it's, it's the difficulties that we focus on. And it's often the difficulties that we, when we're struggling, we don't notice or we don't see the good. And I think that's so important. And equally, you know, we struggle with patience and we want to be fixed. But I actually believe trying to fix somebody is a waste of time. It's accepting who we are and, and all that goes with it, good and the bad, because nobody's perfect. And it's only a part of of a person it's not it doesn't define who you are you know when somebody comes to you to see you and they have ADHD and they want uh, you know CBT whatever whatever they're coming to you for for therapy for for general therapy yeah yeah. do you uh, tell them right away I I, I also have that diagnosis I know exactly where you're coming from or is Um, that useful to share you know, I think there's very few conditions, and that's a very good question, because I think there's very few, can, I see this as an advantage, right? Because I, un, uh, and I can only speak from my personal experience, but I actually do see it as something that is, uh, I understand, and I do share, I have a website, and I do, so you probably, you do see it, and I've done it, I think, you would probably sense, um, I haven't actually said it on my website, but I probably will now, but, um, but it's, I would actually see it as an advantage because I understand where the other person's coming from. And that's, that's really important because for so long, I would say a person with ADHD diagnosed or undiagnosed, they feel like they're misunderstood. They feel like no one, you know, can, can actually, you know, or gets what they're saying. And it's just a real general sense of, you know, I heard, I think somebody saying just not fitting in. And, and that's what it feels like. And, understanding that what you have is actually you know my brain may struggle with you know you know getting here on time or you, you, you know um with daily but they're all very they're all very solvable skills it's the more underlying it's it's more how you value yourself um well it's that, as that, you say i think the thing that struck me from what you said at the very start jane is the number of times you were corrected and told yeah. that you were things that are nobody wants to be as a child, that yeah. it's, that gets hardwired. That, that's something that you kind of internalise, I imagine, that you, it's very hard to shake that off uh, into Absolutely. adulthood. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd say that's probably why as well. I would say in adulthood, I mean, and I do actually, on a positive note, I do think that children, you know, in schools and teenagers now, I think it's a very, it's, it's they are more, you know, it is, it's definitely more diagnosed. So, so that's a good thing. So they won't have that shame, I hope, that um, so many adults, um, present with, which is just so understandable because because society doesn't really lend itself to, to anything that's really much as we say we but but difference isn't embraced, you know, and it isn't. And I'm not talking. I look the exact same, and I'm exact, but it's just my behind, you know, the facade, the, the face. It, it can be very difficult, and I think it's very important to 
to recognise all differences, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jane, stay there. We need to take another break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And I'll bring in Colm now. Colm, good afternoon. Hey, Katie. Uh, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm, I've been sitting here telling myself, remember what we're talking about, remember what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so you you you're also you you also uh, have struggled with this. You have ADHD. Yeah, yeah. And when did you find out? When did you get? When did you name it? Basically, last last October. Okay, so again, it's all of this is so recent. For I, I think there must be, you know, a big move towards people finally realizing what's happening. Um, yeah. Well, I think well, it was first suspected that it was bipolar, and then it worked on from there. Yeah, I think it wasn't it, Louise, who said a lot of people, or was it Emer, who said a lot of people will have uh, been considered to have a bipolar diagnosis or a depression or will have been treated for all of these things on the way to getting this diagnosis. Yeah. Why did, why, why did they, you know, why was it considered possible that you might be bipolar? Um, I suppose I've struggled all my life and it was my GP that I've been seeing for over, for over 20 years. Um, eventually just said, Colin, this is... This has just continued in this pattern for for so long that we're going to have to get some diagnosis done so we can treat you differently. Because I've been in and out of therapies for twenty years, thirty years. Um, and what, what was just, your childhood like, Colin? Uh, a bit bonkers. Yeah. In what um, way? Um, I would have been very disruptive. You say. Um, or what you'd be called an attention seeker, um, which, sure, if that's what you're told you are, then you you think you are. Um, and yeah, school wasn't school was a bit of a school was horrible. Yeah. Um, and then it went on into my working life, where I just went through job after job after job, which apparently is a a trait. You can't uh, yeah. hold down the job for that's, very long. Yeah, the Paul, that's exactly, but Paul, you know, Paul was describing jumping out the window in school and, you know, being so disruptive and also going, you know, not being able to hold down jobs. It's a, it's obviously, it, you know, it makes sense, obviously, when you see the... Yeah, the, but the, that's, and the thing is, you don't, because you don't have any reason why it's happening, you just think it's because you're crap. <laughs> it's the self-loathing then that doesn't help with anything and... Um, that's Jane's point like Jane saying about it that really struck me I have to say the idea that we how we deal with people who don't fall into line for us for kids with kids in particular and we tell mm -hmm. people to pay attention to sit down to sit quietly to stop doing that start doing that and you you know that you know was that 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 must have been what you grew up listening to yeah pretty much Pretty so, much, and then if you have any other difficulties at school, then they just manifest into said that the self-loathing is is ridiculous. Um, I'm sure that that can manifest then into um, alcohol misuse or drug misuse or anything just to hide from pain. Yeah, we haven't talked about that actually today. There must be a lot of self-medicating. For people oh who, God, yeah, it's very common, apparently. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm, I'm listening to a, a podcast is ADHD for adults. Um, and the two lads, they're very high achievers, but they're both of them have long histories of alcohol and drug misuse because because of that again, just escapism, just trying to because you feel so worthless. Which is, but that's the, as that lady said a minute ago, it's a good thing about getting the diagnosis. You can kind of go, okay, I can forgive myself, which is huge. Um, and it's something my partner said to me last night. She said, no, I can just I seem to forgive him for more things nowadays. It's well, because you because you understand, though. I mean, it's 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 just about understanding why why you're responding or reacting in particular ways. Yeah, it's not because I don't care. It's just because I've completely forgotten or I wasn't listening in the first place. <laughs> Which isn't because it's, I'm being rude. I just as she's talking to me, I'm thinking of something else because she said a particular word, and that will kick me off into some a different world. And by the time she's finished her sentence, I'm somewhere else completely. Um. And then, of course, you feel bad for not remembering what she told you. <laughs> and the self-loathing starts again. And But are you getting, I mean, now that you've had, you have your diagnosis since October, are you, have you made leaps and bounds from that? You know, are you, are you getting to a good place on all that? Mm, not yet. Well, I'm, I'm learning, yeah. I'm, um, yeah, well, home life has gotten better because, because of, we have some bit of an explanation for it. Um, it takes a long time before the medication kicks in and balances you out, apparently. Um, and it's not cheap. But, sure, it's... it's and you, ha- and you have to... to try anything. You ha- you're paying for it yourself, are you? I am, yeah. Yeah. It was... That's what I was telling your researchers. And my first... My first meeting with the consultant was €220. Euro. And then he said, oh, sure, look, good news, the next one's only 170 Wow. So yeah. I took a deep breath and went, OK, that's good news, all right, yeah. Um, and I came back, whatever, the two months later, and the 170 was actually only a half an hour instead of an hour. Um, and he's making pretty big decisions for you in your for your life in that half an hour. Um, but what can you do? You're, you take it and trust it and hope it works. I certainly do. Are you working now, Colm? I am, yeah, yeah. I'm all working full time, yeah. Okay, so uh, hopefully, you know, if, uh, as you say, if uh, if this therapy does the job, you will be able I, to keep I, you'll be able to keep the job. Yeah, I'll be able to keep my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah, which should be great. Um, uh, co- but co- I've learned yeah. learned I've had to put huge structures in place to make sure that I get my job right. Um, even just getting up in the morning, even coming home, even I said today. My partner on the way home said, so are you coming home straight after for a hard time, Colin? I'm going to Zumba. OK. Right, yeah. Yeah, you just have to, as you say, this is, this is the... This is, yeah, she's what, a patient but, woman. She's a patient woman. Uh, you, might, you, you, you must be worth it, Colin. Oh, no, she questions it. <laughs> OK. She questions uh, it a lot. OK, Colin, thank you so much for that. I appreciate you no telling us your story. Thanks I just ha- I want to try and get to as many yeah, people. Thank you so much. Uh, I just want to get to as many people as I can. I have a couple of more people hanging on here. Emma, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, you were listening to this and also uh, recognising yourself. I was, yeah. Um, so, again, like everybody else, it's been a massive journey and I suppose just to throw something into the pot with my symptoms is I was diagnosed as perimenopausal last year. I'm 46 um, 
and I suppose that means that there's less estrogen in your body, which means lower dopamine and serotonin levels, which just means that your ADHD symptoms are just completely kind of, you know, magnified and, you know, your concentration and your memory, um, you know, is affected as well and your mental clarity. Um, so all our, our in, other women who we've been talking to say they have that to look forward to. <laughs> Absolutely as well, but this, you know, it just made the kind of symptoms that, that much harder. Um, yeah. And I suppose I was saying to, to, to the girl on the phone, um, my daughter has a diagnosis of ADHD. Um, so and she did you, got that. Did you recognise that right away? In myself? In your daughter, you know, knowing your own I did. symptoms. She got, a, she got a diagnosis about four years ago, along with autism, and she has... Um, uh, learning difficulty as well but I was just saying that actually you know and I have another daughter with additional needs as well so our lives are very very busy with appointments and managing kind of these kind of additional needs but actually over the years I think I've just been blindsided by my daughter's all of her symptoms from her ADHD I was just trying to manage and um, you know get her through school as best I could um, her biggest one was her emotional regulation she's just you know, from hour to hour, she could be completely hyper and then she can might kind of hit the floor and just be completely kind of overwhelmed and upset and angry and annoyed. So I was trying to manage that on a daily basis. Can I ask you and just a quick question? Sorry, Emma, because yeah. we're almost out of time. And if you can answer yeah, this in okay. a minute for me. Um, yeah. we've A, a mother uh, has called in a question with... Um, She's waiting for an assessment for her 16-year-old daughter. And she's yeah. saying, could you ask uh, your callers if they struggled with friendships, if they found social situations very difficult, and maybe for yourself and your daughter, is that something that you really have to manage? Massively, yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's just it's just about, um, I suppose, other parents kind of being aware Um you know, and I suppose children these days, they love other children to interact really, really quickly, you know, and respond to the situation really, really quickly. And if they don't, then, you know, unfortunately, you know, kids kind of move on, um, you know. Okay. Um, oh, Emma, I'm, go- I'm sorry to cut across you, Emma. I'm going to actually have to go because we're over time. But many, many thanks and very best of luck to you. I can't get to Don who's wait- waiting for us to go there. And thank you to everyone calling today. We'll take our last break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And that's it. Uh, Shane Galvin was the broadcast coordinator. Jamie Doyle was on sound. Fergus Sweeney produced. Joe is back with you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend and stand by now for Ray. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.